Welcome to Talking TRM, the Travel Risk Management Podcast. I'm Bex Debman and I'm an independent consultant specialising in ISO 31030. During my transition from corporate travel to travel risk, I've met some incredible individuals driving travel risk management forward with passion and expertise. On this podcast, I'm going to chat with them about their stories and hopefully inspire our listeners to start their own travel risk management journey. Hello and welcome to another session of Talking TRM. I'm Bex Deadman and I'm an independent consultant specialising in ISO 31030. During my journey, I've had the opportunity to meet several different people in lots of different areas that travel risk as an umbrella covers. And during these podcasts, I'm asking them the same three, three questions because what they all have in common is an underlying passion um, and generally a story there's a reason why they're in this space and they're making the changes that they're making. So as people begin their journey, we're hoping that these conversations are going to help. So today I am very excited because I'm joined by a really good friend of mine. And I am saying friend, I'm not even hesitating on that. Um, So um, Sarah McKenna uh, from the Continuity Forum. Um, And we met back in, we were just talking about it offline, but I think 2020 um, when Russell basically found me and asked me to start sort of doing some work and then introduced me to yourself and to obviously the lovely Vanessa who we've done a podcast with too um so yes when we were were, we'll talk about a little bit more about that but that's kind of where our background is so without further ado Sarah let's let everyone know who you are and what you do um and then obviously that will talk about how we connected as well Sure. Well, as you said, I'm I'm Sarah McKenna and I'm the programme director here at the Continuity Forum. Um, and I always like to say that my um, role is fairly self-explanatory. I direct the various programmes that the forum undertakes, and that can range from um, small and simple research programmes on specific risk-related areas and can go right up to major events and seminars, um, advising governments and that sort of thing. Um, and it's it's quite exciting work, actually. And it also means that I work on an international basis. The only downside to that is that my working hours are a bit um, fluid, but it does mean that I get to work in some really, really interesting areas. Um, and I've worked in the area of standards specifically for a good few decades now. Um, and my first experience was um, taking a company through um, ISO 9001, the quality standard. Now, I wasn't running the program, but I got involved with it and got to know the, uh, the, the manager who was taking us through the program really well. And I just thought this was the most fascinating thing I'd ever seen. The fact that we could take individual processes within an organization and write down the processes to use because I was a great one for you know little shortcuts here and um, but actually realizing that if you want to make sure that everybody is able to work at the same level as the sort of best in the organization having a standard to, to apply to, to the organization is a really really good way to go um, now that was the quality procedure even before it became an ISO back when it was BS 5750 so that kind of dates me a little so but it is a long time ago but that was when my fascination with and and even love of standards started and I then sort of moved on from the corporate world and started working with the the forum and I'm proud to say that we were actually instrumental in bringing about the standard for business continuity Um, and that was as a direct result of some other work that we've been doing which was a a research program into what was then mostly termed disaster recovery which was kind of the envelope uh, sorry the umbrella that covered everything Um, so we started looking at it and thought well some of the services being offered to organizations are great 
some are not quite so great and there was no way that people could tell the difference between the really quality organizations and the ones who were a little less scrupulous in their practices um, so there was no additional uh, official standard to offer as proof of capability um, yeah the diligent organizations out there were literally struggling to prove that their service was genuine and an honest proposition uh, whereas their less scrupulous competitors were frequently winning contracts based on price um, with little to no experience and yeah it was a worry so we kind of mooted the idea um, of a, a BC standard a business continuity standard and this was in the early 2000s when the term business continuity was effectively brand new and I tell you, we faced some, some stiff opposition. Um, it was felt that the, the subject matter was too complex, too difficult to quantify. Um, but our view on that was, well, if it's hard to quantify, then that's all the more reason to have a standard to work to so that you can differentiate the good practice services from the, uh, again, I'm saying less scrupulous a lot, please forgive, but you know, they were out there. Um, so yes, ultimately, we managed to persuade people that it was a really good idea to, to start doing this. And I'm pleased to say it was hugely successful, quickly ad adopted, um, and equally quickly went from a, a British standard for business continuity into an international one. And that led directly to the formation of ISO 3000, the risk management standard, all are interconnected. There was some argument, does business continuity take the lead? Does risk management take the lead? But ultimately, we don't care who takes the lead as long as the lead is taken. And it's done well. Um, but as I say, very successful, massive adoption. Um, and I'm pleased to say that it's now one of the top five um, international standards in use today. Uh, and when you consider that the, the other in the top five are health and safety, which is no surprise to anybody, energy management, because obviously that refers to critical um, infrastructure, information security management, I think enough said, it's vital uh, and the quality standard that I talked about I talked about earlier so it's a clear demonstration that risk risk management and all the various subsets it's a globally important topic um, and yeah we were really really proud of the work that we did to bring that to, to fruition so that's me what I do Sarah what an amazing story so it's so nice to actually hear you say that and for our listeners to be able to hear this because it's something that I talk about in such a brief format all the time so when I'm introducing this idea of travel risk management and yeah. kind of where we're positioned and where we think it's going to go over the next few years I kind yeah. of lean back to this idea of you know it's come from disaster recovery which moved into business continuity which are finally has kind of moved into this risk management space yeah. but actually hearing that from the people that were there when they were doing it is, is great so yeah. I think that's really important to share it's, it's quite funny I can remember a meeting that we were at when we finally got the, the the British standard as it was back then for business continuity together out of nowhere two people myself and, and one of the the sort of elders of business continuity if you like basically gave exactly the same quote from Shakespeare at the same time these scars I had me on Crispin's day and it was like yeah it has been a battle but we made it <laughs> I bet it has because <clears throat> there's this world, isn't there, where kind of I, I've never understood it ever since I've been in corporate, but it's kind of like business just does what business does. Yeah. And some of that might be as you as you call in scrupulous, some of it I think is definitely like unintentional as well. There's just a yes. complete lack of knowledge. There's there's and that's part of risk, isn't it? You mm. know, know the risks and then you decide how you want to play them. If you want to be higher risk on that, that's your call. No one's telling you what not to do. No. Um, but there's also businesses out there, often smaller businesses, who are fighting so hard because they are doing things 
perhaps in a different area or they're doing things in a different way, which is actually really beneficial, but they just can't get a look in. And I think as we move into this world of, you know, the larger corporations now have to abide to certain standards. And if they don't have to, then they're wanting to because actually their own employees are looking at them to do that now. Yes. There's a lot of, you know, um, people want to know that they're working for the right sort of company. This is where, you know, some of your work with sustainability and all that's kind of coming out. You know, this stuff is it's happening and it's there and companies kind of need to answer to that now. Yeah. It has a knock on effect to those smaller companies, too. But I think what's so great about these risk standards is it was never it was designed for everybody from the beginning. Yeah. And it's really easy to read as well, because I think one of the the best things, if you like, about 31,000 is that it's not just a standard that you can read. There's also a handbook. And in some ways, um, I think particularly the smaller organisations, because, you know, going through the standards process, it's time consuming. It can be quite costly. But if you take a look at, at the handbook that's available, invest in that first. It just gives you such good guidance on how to proceed and how to differentiate yourself. Um, and the other thing to remember is that for the smaller organisations, sometimes even getting onto a tender list can really, really, um, well, some some organisations you can't even get onto the tender list unless you apply the standard to your organisation. So it's, you know, it's a sales tool as well. So it's more than just organising your business. It's about promoting your business, being able to enter into those contracts that you perhaps couldn't get onto before. So, yeah, it is very, very useful. Um, no, I completely agree. And I think, Sarah, one of my misconceptions of standards when I first got into this, when I was running a business or, you know, working for someone else's business, it just was always seen as like an awful thing you had to kind of get through yeah. and do. Yeah, and it was fast and yeah. it was arduous and, and, you know, how dare people ask all these questions? Actually, yes. we've just lived through a pandemic and those companies that had kind of maybe done a bit of pre-planning on this have probably yeah. fared better than those yeah. that didn't. And it's not to say that was the case for everyone, but it's just it's it's just about being proactive in this space and and thinking about what's best for the future isn't yeah, it and making sure that you're resilient for it yeah. so it's a it, it shouldn't be seen as a task to endure it should no. be seen as an understanding of your business I think and that's what we try and get yeah to. I mean I'm enough of a geek that I think it's interesting um and, and a fascinating process to go through but I have been really pleasantly surprised by so many people who do have that mindset. Oh, yeah, more red tape, more tick boxes I've got to go through, who've actually found out areas of their business that are really, really good that they've never really spotted before. And it's an ability to then promote that because they found it through their risk management processes. And that happens more often than you might imagine. So, yeah, it can be really, really hugely beneficial. No, I, yeah, I completely agree. And I have these conversations frequently now with businesses that I'm working with. So in yeah. the space that, which leads us nicely on to obviously the space that we're talking about. So we met because of the travel risk management standard, because of 3130, and then the final throes of that, just obviously before it got finally launched yeah. and changed my life because I yes. threw my job and decided to <laughs> set up a consultancy and now just talk about this stuff all of the time yeah. um, <laughs> so that was a jump for you from the sort of risk management piece and the and actually understanding the travel piece because that's obviously one of the reasons that that Russell plucked me and found me and um and got me involved so so what how do you feel about all of this now what is your why for driving this stuff forward in travel risk what's happened for you during this process well it's more than just the process actually because I have both personal and professional reasons to be really passionate about travel risks specifically. Um, On a personal level, um, I've experienced personally, again, 
at first hand, effectively, just how awful a lack of tra travel risk management can be. Um, back in the 1980s, I was on what we used to call a, a business jolly. The whole organisation was taken to this beautiful European destination for a five day trip. We were supposed to bond, to ski and let our scheme. And it was, you know, it was absolutely wonderful. Um, just organised very much on the cheap, I will say, because it was a case of how much will it cost to get the entire company out there? What's the cheapest hotel that we can tolerate? That was basically the basis on the bit on the understanding that we were there to enjoy ourselves. So that was how it was done. But on the third day of the trip, one of our, our very large party decided to go off alone and walk back to our hotel. And she was brutally attacked. And we had absolutely no one to turn to for assistance. The hotel did try to act as interpreters, for example, with the police. But ultimately, we were pretty much on our own in terms of helping our colleague. And I will add, we were a really, really young company. And I was maybe 24, something like that. And yet I was one of the elders. So a lot of what happened, what transpired, fell to a very young group of managers with no training, no understanding, and all we really had to offer our friend, our colleague, was empathy. Um, and we faced a huge language barrier as well. Um, there was an extremely unhelpful police officer and a hotel management team that was effectively more concerned about shielding what had happened from the rest of their guests. Um, they were more interested in doing that than actually helping us. So, yeah. All the way back then, it made me realise, actually, this is a big problem. And as you can probably tell, this experience has stayed with me for a long, long time. So risk Ooh. management itself is a passion for me. But travel risk management specifically speaks to me, not just because of that experience, but also because when we, the Continuity Forum, um, first started looking at a more industry-specific version of risk management, it was really quickly very clear that this was an industry that genuinely wanted to improve absolute music to our ears and I've been so impressed with how those within the industry have engaged with us um, have shared their organization's approaches with us um, and perhaps more active more important than anything else they've actively wanted to learn how to improve um, they want to ensure that their industry bounces back from the impacts of COVID um, and that they don't simply go back to business as was um, there seems to be a genuine desire to be better um, so yeah I could not be happier um, but I've also learned, obviously, with my risk management head on, sort of learning all about the travel processes, that the business traveller and the travel risk, it's a really complex beast. Uh, and there are so many interconnected issues, hurdles and actually benefits. Um, but the committee involved with the work um, that we have in process have a very, very simple goal. We want to ensure that the business traveller can go from their front door to the front desk of their hotel and to everywhere in between those destinations, even if it's not strictly speaking for the business reason that they're there and all the way right back to their front door, being secure, being safe and having the knowledge that if anything goes wrong, they know who to call, what to do. And I think most importantly, and what was missing for me at the time was how to go about it, how to rectify matters, how to overcome whatever problem you've hit. So if the business traveller is complex, <laughs> now imagine how, how complicated the process is of forming a new standard. It's a deep dive into the industry. So it is time consuming, but it's also really rewarding. And the reason it's so complex is that we need to order to consider all the areas of the travel plan. And there are so many issues. It can be a taxi to the airport. It can be, does somebody need a wheelchair go, to go through the airport? There's so many things that we need to cover. Um, so yes, it's been interesting, but I think we're getting there. So yeah, I'm really pleased with it. But I think one of the most important things for me um, in, in working through this 
has been um, learning about communicating with the people involved, right from the traveller themselves, all the way through their specific management team, through HR, risk officers, communication teams, uh, those responsible for the reputation of their organisations, they all need to communicate well. Um, so that means we need to look at all the various aspects of travel from a risk perspective, not just from a how cheap can we get this perspective, so that we can highlight any potential issues, offer guidance, um, help people to understand how to select a, a suitable management co uh, company or a consultant, um, and really ensure that both the traveller and the organisation is in a really strong position of knowledge to proceed with the journey. So we need all to encourage, we need to encourage everybody involved to think about more than just the cost of the flights, which as I explained earlier, was pretty much what my organisation did. And really look more deeply. Um, and I think I'm going to refer back to one of the previous interviewees, Jim Lawrence. Mm. I think he put it really, really beautifully when he said, we need to make risk a purchasing metric. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I so enjoyed the podcast with Jim, as you can imagine, because <laughs> yeah. he's a lot of fun. Not sure where to start with implementing a standard such as ISO 31030? A gap analysis exercise from Ascent Risk Management is the best place to start. Our expert consultants will take you step by step through your chosen standard and highlight any weak areas. This can be conducted remotely and the results of the gap analysis can form the plan for your targeted project. Contact Ascent today at www.ascent1, which is A-S-S-E-N-T-1.com and booking your gap analysis today. This idea of, of making this a of something that actually people should know about and make it into a category. Um, we've done this uh, on a tender just recently with a client I'm working with. We think we've possibly done the first travel risk management solutions microservices, long nice. title, um, RFP, to do exactly this because it's not just about high risk destinations, is it? No, it's, it's not, not just about it's about it's about covering for for everybody in every eventuality. And I know that you're pretty passionate about that side of it as well. So maybe you can explain a bit more. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it's, it's another one of those issues that is critical to me that I'm really uh, passionate about is protecting specific travellers. And I don't like to call them vulnerable travellers because it makes it it sounds a bit patronising. But there are specific travellers who have risks that others don't face. And that's, you know, whether they're women travelling alone or those from the LGBTQ community travelling to less tolerant countries. We need to consider the traveller's health, whether that's physical or mental. But what that does do is it means we have to ask some difficult questions. Um, but the standard, using the standard, actually gives us the reasoning behind what could otherwise be seen as really intrusive questioning. Asking about a person's health, sexuality and so on is actually both requesting and using confidential and highly personal information. So it has to be done with the utmost care. And the standard lets us demonstrate that we are acting with their best interests in heart, at heart and why offering the why behind these questions and it, it lets us ensure that their business and personal self is protected uh, while at the same time assuring them of confidentiality that to me is one of the most important areas thank you sarah i'm smiling because i completely agree with you i think sarah thank you so much i think that you know the journey that i've been on with you and i think just to pick up on some of the things you talked about how i think let's let's recognize how welcoming the travel industry has been i think that's so important and it oh, continues yes. to be yes. um, and there's kind of awareness there's understanding that they that they want to that they want to learn which is which is wonderful i sometimes get 
frustrated because I feel from my perspective that actually it can be moving a lot faster and it's really important but you yeah. sit from the other side which is how other many industries you've worked with and it's not been as easy as this at all yeah I, it's not easy I, I won't I wouldn't go that far but it is easier um, and I, I think the enthusiasm that we've seen from so many different types of organizations so many different sizes of organizations I think it's very telling that this is an organization sorry an industry that wants to learn that wants to do better it's it's golden yeah yeah no I yeah and I should just appreciate that perhaps rather than be on it everyone all the time <laughs> that's my role so it's okay so mm -hmm. okay that leads us really nicely on I think so you, you talked in such a well-rounded area about all of this and thank you because for me there is just so many different avenues and so many different parts that this covers so let's just talk about now for those people that are just beginning to kind of get into this they're just beginning to think oh actually should I what mm -hmm. what what off what advice what golden nuggets I'm pluralizing because I think you may have more than you want to. Um, uh, you can offer. Yeah, well, I've, I've had a, a bit of a think um, to quote one of my favorite authors. Um, and I think probably one of the best starting places uh, for people to understand why we're working on a travel risk standard, why we're looking at expanding it, is to take a look at the definitions. And there are two definitions to me that are really important that people know. And the first is the ISO definition of risk, which, as per ISO 31000, is risk is the effect of uncertainty on objectives the uncertainty being the risks and the objectives being the ultimate goal of your organization whatever that goal might be and the second um, is the definition of risk management which is the coordinated and this is verbatim the coordinated activities to direct and control an organization with regard to risk and i think if you are, take a look at those definitions it really helps you to understand where we're coming from, why we're looking at things and how we can help. And to me, risk management means that organisations ideally should identify and then fully examine any potential risks they face. And by doing that, they can reduce the uncertainty and therefore reduce any likely impact and possibly, well, actually, I'd go so far as to say probably enhance the benefits that they'll find. Um, we do have to accept that we're never going to avoid all risks. There is no perfection in this world. But if we ensure that we are aware of the risks uh, and by making sure that we know about them, that we've examined them, we've understood them and we've, we've mitigated against them, then we can certainly be better than we are right now. Um, and it also gives us an opportunity for see, to foresee um, the likely consequences that we can face. Um, and Russell likes to use an analogy, which I'm going to blatantly steal. When you're driving a car, you've got the rear through the, the view through the windscreen, which shows us where we want to go. And then you've got the view through the, the rear view mirror, which shows us where we've been. Now, if we use our mirror view to assess and hopefully avoid hazards that we've already experienced or seen or heard, you know, basically driven past, we can then use that to inform our practices for the way forward and achieve our goals more effectively. Um, and I also think that we need to take a, a good look at balancing the need for travel risk. I think this is something that was highlighted during COVID that maybe many uh, business travels travels were not entirely necessary. That They were, to go back to my earlier point, one of those jollies. We shouldn't get rid of them entirely, but we do need to think about the justifications. Are the reasons for travel legitimate? Will the journey result in actual benefits? And that can be new business, new contacts, customer satisfaction, that sort of thing. Um, and do they have potential downsides, which is the uncertainty part of the definition? Um, has that been covered? And it's really important to remember that risk can be both good and bad. We need to keep an open mind on that. Um, 
Another nugget I have is communication. And I've mentioned it earlier. A good standard is only as good as its users. Um, we need to have a top down leadership, but also bottom up engagement. The traveler themselves needs to understand that they have responsibilities and they need to own them. Um, and obviously the management need to recognize their responsibilities, take them seriously and act accordingly. Um, one other thing is that you should always seek feedback from the traveler when they're back. We need to take a look at what went well, did they face any major problems or even minor hiccups that were more of an annoyance than anything? Even if it was just a minor annoyance, can we avoid that in the future? And we can learn from those. And most importantly, we can improve our processes and policies for, for future business travel. And I think my last nugget is um, a phrase that I've heard quite a lot. Um, and I can't remember who, say, who said it. It might even have been me. But it's basically deal with it while it's a risk, not when it's a crisis. Beautiful. I mean, I've just enjoyed, I've hardly said anything in this podcast and I've loved every sorry. second. So, Sarah, this is what I wanted. So, it, the knowledge that this lady has and the journey that she's been on is just so worth sharing. And it's exactly the essence of why I wanted to put this podcast together, Sarah. Thank, Thank you. you. Um, it's all about proactive. I think we have to understand that we live in a world where things are overly complicated, people are overly complicated, and things are going to happen. Yeah. And I've worked for numerous companies that, you know, have said things like, well, you can just never plan for everything. What's the point of planning for anything? And I, I, yeah. I, 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 I get it. I hear <laughs> that a lot. But it's not gonna it's not gonna help us move forward and pass. And actually, when something happens and it affects human life or yeah. or an asset, but generally mm -hmm. a human life being the most um, important, no, there's a moral obligation here to do better, and yes. and and that's what and a legal obligation, quite frankly, but yeah. a moral obligation, <clears throat> and that's obviously why we work in the space that we work in, and and I think everyone can probably understand why when I met Sarah, I was like, oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> how am I going to make this work how am I going to yeah. basically be with her constantly um which we've managed to do virtually yeah. quite a lot so it's nice um thank you Sarah I honestly um wouldn't be here without you and the other people I've met along my journey so it's been incredible and I'm so excited because I know that we're at the beginning of a journey for maybe the next decade and yeah. we've got so much more to cover oh we're going to be together for a while we are aren't we <laughs> yeah <laughs> um thank you so much um just um to everybody you've been listening to beck stedman and the wonderful sarah mckenna from the continuity forum you've been listening to talking trn and we will be back soon with another episode stay in touch if you want to subscribe the details are below and if you want to contact any of us our details are at the end of this podcast on screen thank you very much sarah thank you to our listeners and we will be back soon take care Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Talking TRM is in association with Ascent Risk Management. If you enjoyed listening to today's podcast, please subscribe and make sure to leave a review. If you need any help with implementing an ISO standard, such as ISO 31030, or if you have any questions regarding ISO, please reach out to Ascent Risk Management to talk to our expert consultants today. We can be found at www.ascent1.com. We're also on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram, and links can be found in the show description. This podcast is a Clemark Studio production and was produced by Jessica Ingalls.